afternoon, my name is Manny and I will be your conference operator for today. Welcome to the Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies Belfry Briefing Series, the road to the 2018 midterm elections. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will be also available after the call at copublicstrategies.com as well as on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. To submit live questions, please email presidentialanalysis at cozen.com. Thanks, and thanks everybody for joining us today. My name is Blake Rutherford, and <clears throat> we're pleased to have you in our ongoing series of the Beltway Briefing Road to the Midterms 2018. I'm joined, as always, by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Gentlemen, great to be with you. Right. Um, we're also pleased to welcome today Caitlin Martin um, of our public strategies team as well. Caitlin, welcome back. It's been Thanks, a little while. Mike. Thanks. Yeah, great to Good have to you here. back. Um, just You're going to gonna explain all this to yeah. us, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what is going on, because, <laughs> because I'm... I, I woke up to news today that Rod Rosenstein, um, the Deputy Attorney General who is overseeing the Mueller investigation, um, has been summoned to the White House. Uh, as we all know, uh, there was a rather, rather explosive New York Times story uh, late last week um, suggesting, among other things, that uh, it, he would perhaps be willing to wear a wire into the White House. He would play the 25th the, Amendment might need to the be invoked. Failing <laughs> fake news, right. New York Times. Right. right. Well, exactly. He yeah. says he didn't say it, and other people in the room said that anything he said was said sarcastically. Right. Who? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> needless to say, we are we we are not generally in the business of of breaking news here at uh, the Beltway Briefing, but we will uh, we'll keep you posted. But Mark, I'll start with you. I mean, uh, let I mean, I, you know, you get someone to the White House, the president's in New York, and the U.N. General Assembly. Uh, so the headline on CNN right now is A.G. Rosenstein to meet with White House Chief of Staff. Right. Um, uh, doesn't really seem like they're going to get together and have a cup of coffee and talk about you know, the Patriots. About laws. Tiger winning. Yeah, uh, Tiger winning a golf tournament. tournament. Wow, a golf what reference from Mark Alderman. Yeah. Yeah. I put history on the Beltway yeah, briefing. That's exactly I, I ran out of things to read on the wow. plane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're, uh, he's, he's, he claims he has nothing to say today since he's back from bougie L.A., but what's yeah. up, Mark? What does all this mean? I'm going to pass to Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> I think... The best we can do here today is maybe, maybe talk about what it might mean politically. I, no one in this room knows what's happening there, although, as you say, it's probably not a social call. <laughs> but if Rosenstein resigns today or is more likely fired, it, it surprises me that they didn't wait another 42 days till after the midterms but so much is going on that this may not outlive the news cycle i can i, can I say a couple things here because i mean <laughs> why does it surprise you 
You're the one that's been saying from day one, Trump. I'm going to tell you what surprises yeah, me. Tell me. Because I think, I can hardly believe, Caitlin, I'm saying this. It must be your presence here. I agree with Sean Hannity. Oh. I thought Hannity gave him good advice. That's a clip. Don't let the deep state <laughs> trick you into firing him until after the midterms. It, yeah, but it's about him. So, of course, he's going to. Yeah, I thought maybe he'd listen to Sean, but I'm all. F- I, I want to be on record that I'm all for. But I, I think we can say something about this because, and and not about the politics of it, which I, I don't know that the political impact of this is. <clears throat> I think it's fairly negligible. The people that were already going to vote cast their votes because they don't like Donald Trump are still going to cast their votes because they don't like Donald Trump, and the same thing on the other side. But I think what we can absolutely say about it is it's another example of the government not going, governing aspect of this not going well. Right. Okay? Right. It's not going well. We've got anonymous op-eds. We've got people being <coughs> fired. This was the point in the life cycle of the administration where they were supposed to weed out the people that came at the beginning just like Bill Clinton did, just like Barack Obama did, just like George W. Bush did. The people that came off the campaign and into the administration, and then you know, you take your year and a half, and then you professionalize the enterprise. And Rob Rosenstein is a highly professional individual. So, I mean, the <coughs> point is, <laughs> the point is the professionals are being run out of town not the other way around and the governing is not going well and that is the most significant thing about this in my opinion caitlin we've got you know the senate judiciary committee passed out of passed out of measure 14 to 7 in essence protecting the Mueller investigation mcconnell hasn't brought it to the floor yet and i emphasize yet um i i tend to i tend to think and tell me whether you agree with this i think firing rosenstein it becomes a constitutional crisis. And the reason I think that is because there is so much uncertainty about this investigation. There is so, it has been politicized by Trump. It has been, there's a question of if he's fired or if he resigns, who takes over. Um, There are reports out that the Solicitor General may have a conflict um, this is uh, this is chaos, and and it seems to me it sends this into a constitutional crisis over whether this investigation is going to be shut down. Because the whole the working theory is, if you fire Rosenstein, you're you're on a path to shutting this investigation down. What do you what do you make of that? Well, I think, and it's being reported that there might be a resignation letter that Rosenstein might be considering resigning. I think he should do. I think he should resign after this. I think it makes, and, and this would help prevent this crisis. I think the president needs to have a team. We, we need to be able to have faith in what's happening, and in the in the the system. And I think that he should potentially resign. Mark the. The thought was, and we talked about this a lot, you know, Trump Trump has one thing going wrong for him. He does something else. The Kavanaugh nomination, which we'll talk about in a minute, is on <clears throat> life support at best. 
this happens. Now, granted, I understand it's a reaction to a new to an to an explosive New York Times story that who who knows all the facts, but you know, imagine if if that story were were published and you were the president, how you would how you would feel and what what kind of emotions you would have considering everything else going on. Not justifying it, just saying um, this this becomes the news of the day. If it until Trump speaks at the United Nations, well, right. and that may be the distraction from the distraction from the distraction. But but I want to just comment on the constitutional crisis point, Blake. Um, it depends what happens next. I think that a an assistant deputy, whatever, the number two guy in the Justice Department resigning, as Caitlin's encouraged him to do, because of this report, is not in and of itself a constitutional crisis. I think it depends what happens next. If indeed this is the prelude to a deconstruction of the investigation, we'll, we'll find ourselves in in a deeper hole but but this alone i don't think uh, is the crisis that we all know is coming mm. it's governing it, it it actually goes to howard's point about governing not going very well when something like this happens and so what do you do i mean if you're mcconnell and and this happens assuming it happens and it may happen in the course of this call but um, and you're right, Caitlin, we, there's a lot of uncertainty as to whether there's a resignation letter, whether he's walking into the White House with, with a resignation letter, or as other reports say, that's not the case. He's, he's, the only way he's going out is if he's fired, and there are reports now in, in my highly trustworthy Twitter feed that he's not going to go quietly if he's fired. Um, who knows? <clears throat> But Howard, if you're McConnell, do you, I mean, do you, if this goes down today, do you, do you do anything? I mean, if, if you're, if you're him, what do you, how do you, how do you play this if you're, if you're sitting, if you're in the leader's office in the Senate? I think, first of all, we can all be sure that McConnell will do whatever is best for McConnell. And as you said last week, Mark, what's best for McConnell is keeping his Senate majority. And well, he doesn't, he doesn't care about anything else. So um, that's what he's going to do. I think he's far, far, far more focused right now on the Supreme Court confirmation than he is on this sideshow within the administration. And I mean, that's a much more relevant issue, much more relevant issue politically. Yes, the media takes the, the whole DOJ ball and runs with it. But from a political point of view, the high court is much, much more important. So, Caitlin, we'll pivot to that in a minute. I mean, there's been so much. <laughs> Trump has basically issued a vote of no confidence in his attorney general um, right. via Twitter. Um, yeah, I think he can take the advert basically out of it. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. Well, in that, Hill, inter that Hill TV interview we did last week, you pretty much said it. Yeah, much. exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Apparently, again, if reports are right, he polled his staff on whether, whether Rosenstein should... should uh, should be fired um you know thinking about this as a as uh, as a political i mean do you sense any grander political consequences i mean do you think that that 
whether it's just in eating up the news cycle or just that dysfunctionality that, that Howard talked about. Do you sense any political consequences if if <coughs> Trump and Rosenstein get into a you know back and forth over whether he should have been fired? Well, I think that this plays right into the president's base because he should be able to have faith in his Justice Department and that they're not actively working to undermine. And if these comments were true, it really does feed into the narrative amongst Trump's base that there is some kind of deep state and that there are folks working within government actively trying to undermine the president. So I think that that could certainly motivate some of his core base, but I agree with Howard that folks are a lot more focused this week on what's happening with the Kavanaugh hearing and um, other issues that I think this is a bit of a, a bit of a DC focused sideshow but we'll see we'll see what happens I thought it was interesting how um, Lindsey Graham came out over the weekend Senator Graham and said a bunch of things um, in defense of the president mm-hmm. I know I, I just I found that fascinating you've got uh, a well-liked you know John McCain, Allah, John McCain's closest friend in the United States Senate. Moderate. Um, yeah, relative moderate. Somebody who's viewed as, I mean, he's not politically moderate, but he's viewed as being a right-thinking, not in the right conservative right sense, but a a bit of a centrist in his, or an even-handed in his in his thinking about issues. Yet he came out strongly defending the president, saying they should investigate who wrote the anonymous op-ed. Um, he made some strong comments about the Kavanaugh hearing. So I don't think the politics of all this are are very simple to the extent that they're that the politics are in play. Well and but Graham's gone full Trump. I mean I mean he, he yeah, has, he has gone that's, full he's gone Trump, full Trump. Although and, there's been reporting in Bob Woodward's book, among other places, that he has gone full Trump in an effort to mitigate the president's decision-making. And I think that's what we saw this weekend. I think he is going to hang in there and try to work... Ingratiate himself. Yeah, try to work Trump his way, especially on Afghanistan and and some foreign policy issues. I don't think he helped the president with his comments on the Kavanaugh nomination this weekend. I I didn't think it was helpful to say that there's nothing that Professor Ford could say that would change his mind. Look, I I think you add, take all this together and like, we talk about politics all the time, and we always look at this from a political perspective. But going back to what I was saying, you know, this this town is completely upside down right now and has been for the last two years. And, you know, at the end of the day, the government is supposed to govern. And politics influences government. Politics allows people to get into the job of governing, but... This town is just completely well, upside down. And, and I think... Uh, I feel like we have a constitutional crisis, some mini version of a constitutional yeah, crisis yeah. every single day. Well, I think the chaos is starting to wear down the electorate. Maybe not Trump's 30% base, 35% base, but I was talking to Senator Casey uh, this morning. He's going to all 48 Blake or however many counties there in Pennsylvania. (laughs) 
I said to him, what are they saying to you? What do people care about out, out there? And he said, uh, it's a tie, healthcare and chaos. They're worried about their health care, as we've been saying in yeah. here all along. But I said, I just hear again and again and again. I hear people say to me, I didn't have any use for her. I voted for him, but I can't take it anymore. Yeah, but that, Mark, is probably also a function of who he's talking there, to. There's a self-selection. <laughs> that's true. And since Lou Barlett is not talking to anybody, we don't know <laughs> right. what the other side does. And, and what's it, here's, here's an interesting tidbit. So... I had a meeting last week with a uh, Republican senator, a very in a very conservative state, and he told me that um, since the election, since the day Donald Trump got elected, not took office, got elected, that the calls to his Senate office, which used to be ninety-five percent people on the right espousing policies on the right. Yeah. Ever since Donald Trump won that election, it's completely flipped. And most of the calls coming into his office are people talking about the chaos, talking about issues from the left, which says you've got a very energized left and not a very energized right. And and that about that intensity. And there's no doubt that that's an element of of what Bob's hearing. But, But I do just have a sense that that the chaos is scary to people. And it should be. With good reason. Yeah. And that people are people are going to show Let's, up on November. Can I say one more thing? It's yeah. sad because, look, I sat in those seats in senior roles in the executive branch for a long time. And there's a very, there's a very good side to what Trump is bringing to the table from this perspective you know governing by talking point which is the way government's always been run it certainly is the way barack obama ran his government it's the way george bush ran his government like there's something unappealing about that and the fact that this guy has shaken things up a little bit is is a from my point of view even though i was it, so you prefer government no, by law? No, I'm not saying. No, by I'm not saying. I'm, not, I'm saying. I'm saying the okay. good stuff is being obscured by all the bad stuff. No, I don't like any of that. But it's sad because there is a good side. There are some good aspects to what he's doing. He's just shooting himself in the foot every single day and shooting all of us in the feet because the country's screwed up. All right, let's let's talk about let's talk about chaos in, in a different sort, which is the, the, the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh, which um, I've declared is on life support. I've said before I don't think he makes it to the finish line. I suspect a few people in this on this uh, call will disagree with me, but we now have reporting from Ronan Farrow and Jane Mayer of the New Yorker, both Pulitzer Prize winners, um, both highly credible. Um, who've broken some very big stories about about sexual assault? Uh, another woman has has come forward, um, and the uh, and Dr. Ford at present is scheduled to testify on Thursday. Um, Kavanaugh's nomination, his approval rating over the new poll came out over the weekend. He's now negative. He's now minus ten. Uh, he was about even, uh, which made him. The second most unpopular at that stage, minus 10, puts him in Bork category. Bork was minus 11. 
uh, who is the most unpopular, the most unpopular. Um, and and so we have we have two, we have another allegation based on reporting, and then whatever Michael Avenatti wants to. <laughs> so well, let's just talk about that. May the, be the one right, point we can all agree on. Yeah, here. right. So I'm not going <laughs> there. I do. I do want to. I do want to talk about this. You know, the story that that Pharaoh and Mayor broke Mark and um, where 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 do you put Kavanaugh at, the, at this stage and why why keep going forward with this guy? Is he only is he the only conservative in the whole GOP judiciary to, that can serve on the Supreme Court? No. No, the answer to that is no. Uh, we know that the president and the majority leader were not that excited to begin with about Judge Kavanaugh. Where is he today? Uh, Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump are making a political calculation about what it would mean to press forward and what it would mean to cut their losses. Mitch McConnell is, I'm not sure Donald Trump Well, I was going to say, they are two very different calculations. Mitch McConnell's calculation is getting a conservative justice appointed because that's his legacy and that's the entirety of his interest. Trump's interest, I believe, is what's good for Trump. Can he cut Kavanaugh loose and not suffer? It's bad for Kavanaugh. Is it bad for Trump? If Trump concludes it's not bad for him, you could see him cut loose. But I'm just going to say what I said last week when we had this conversation. And I said that the Monday hearing was no better than one in three to happen. This Thursday hearing is no better than one in three to happen because something's going to happen next. The nature of this is that things keep happening. And if the second strike wasn't it, the, the third strike, I think, I think will and be. Not to get us off track, but just to, Rosenstein has concluded his meeting with the chief of staff. We don't know any outcomes yet, but he has concluded well, his Well, did they take his staff. SUV away? Well, it's, no, it's now, now, now it's just pictures of multiple SUVs. I've, got, okay. I've been watching CNN all morning, which means I've been staring at SUVs all morning. So that's that's pretty if good. He How walks back to the yeah. office, we'll know. Yeah. Right. Well, now right. he's attending a previously scheduled cabinet level meeting. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, so we'll come back to that. Howard, where do you, where do you put the status of the Kavanaugh nomination? They're counting votes. Yeah. That's what's going on. The Republican caucus is counting votes. There are 51 Republican senators, and um, the the it's well known who the senators are that are most in play. It's Corker and Flake, two outgoing um, members of the United States Senate from Tennessee and Arizona, and then Lisa Murkowski from Alaska and Susan Collins from Maine. They are counting votes. If they ha if they well, don't have 51 votes or 50 yeah. votes, I guess. Well, one thing, if I may just disagree and interject, one thing that I think, Blake, has already happened is the idea of any Democratic votes is gone. Ha, right. That's gone. It they gives Democrats gotten, a good excuse to vote yeah, against it. They might have gotten one or two. They they ain't getting none now. Yeah. So they're counting. But they're counting votes, and if they don't have the votes, they're not bringing it forward. And if they do, yeah. maybe they are. Um, I think it got it's gotten more complicated. We'll see what the the facts are that that come out. But Blake, I do think it's interesting that two of the two of the four senators that they are concerned about. Are vacating their seats. Yeah, they're they're retiring, mm -hmm. and so we're 
dealing with two very contentious open seat races right. in Arizona and Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. that are neck and neck, and they that's got to be entering into the calculus. Yeah, I mean, Caitlin, I know you, you certainly are going to have some thoughts about about the the sort of broader broader Kavanaugh nomination, but what, I mean, what what's your assessment of of what's going on and 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 whether whether he he gets across the finish line. I mean, look, I kind of disagree a little bit with Mark here. I think that he does have a hearing on Thursday. I think that How do you think that's again, going to go for him? these are still unfounded allegations. The New York Times chose not to publish the article that the New Yorker does publish because they could not find folks to corrupt corroborate the story. I worry a little bit about the precedent that we're setting and how this is playing out in the court of public opinion as opposed to where the facts are. But I agree. I think Thursday is going to be a bit of a circus. I'm not looking forward to the optics on either side. I don't think the situation is good for either political party. And I think that we're, we're kind of wading into some some territory here. It's that very hard to see how the hearing, if indeed there is one, goes well for for Kev goes well for the vote count. Oh, I don't agree with that at all. Well for the vote you mean the total vote count or the Republican? The Republican vote count. No, I don't agree with that. I think if the, if Mitch McConnell at the end of the day can make it look like this guy got driven out as opposed to pulling, let's say he pulls out of, let's say he pulls back from the nomination. Yeah. If it looks like he got railroaded to people on the right side of the spectrum that's probably motivating and no no i'm sorry we're we're not talking about the same thing You're i am saying confirmation that it's hard to oh. see getting to 51 if that hearing is held because it's going to require 51 republican senators to say we don't believe her. you don't and know what happened you don't know what's going to happen in here yeah, well, I mean, no, we don't. Yeah, right. I mean, is it? No, we don't. Is I, it so strange? I don't think, is it strange that the Republicans that. still can't even figure <clears throat> out who would ask her questions? I mean, the reports today are that former New Hampshire Senator Kelly Ayotte maybe maybe drafted in to ask her questions because they don't want. I thought any part of the, the agreement was that the uh, committee members were. I think I know that um, her attorney sent a memo. They were going back and forth, ironing out yeah. details, did they this continuing out? to kind of move the goalposts. My understanding is that they did land on um, her attorney wants the senators to be the ones to ask the is questions. That where we Mark, is that your okay, understanding? So I'm, I'm yeah. A, yeah, I'm a day behind. It, it's it's a it's a well. In fair, I mean, to keep track. the conversations were ongoing throughout <laughs> yeah. the weekend. We didn't on Friday. We didn't even think that yeah. she was going to come in and. And testify this week. So, so, what are the, I mean? What are I mean? This is an optics game, Mark. To, to your point, you know, do it. it it's going to be must see TV. It's going to be replayed over and over and over again. Um, you, you sense any? I mean, it's just hard to see the happy Republican. In. Susan Collins has said, which I think is right, that the question is. Who is Brett Kavanaugh in 2018? Did he sit? Is he going to sit there and lie to us about what happened? And you have to conclude that that it didn't happen to conclude that Kavanaugh's not lying. So that's a. I just think that's a hard one. We don't know what's going to happen. She could come across as totally incredible. 
he could come in with something other than it never, ever, ever, never happened. Well, maybe they well, can come I up. I think that hurts him if he does change his story. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, he's locked into, into it never happened. I mean, I think he's got he's to gotta ride that horse to the finish line. Unless is unless you know the whomever in inside conservative circles decides to come up with another crackpot theory that that it wasn't Kavanaugh after all it was some it's other guy. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. all a circus and said. And it's a he said she said. I mean, it's it's a mess. Yeah. Well. Anyway, well, right now we're on track for a, a lot of these. The constitutional crisis du jour often just drives everybody back to their corners. Everybody comes out and punches away until the bell rings and they go back to their corners and nobody changes their mind about anything. Maybe that's what happens here. Maybe that's what happens here. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think the potential for more people walking away from this mad at the Republicans rather than mad at the Democrats is greater. But but we gotta see what happens, and we gotta see if we even get to Thursday. Yeah, time time will literally tell. Let's let's pivot to the midterms, and let's pivot to please. That's what we've been yeah, talking about. Please, <laughs> right. let's pivot to the midterms and kind of where what, what where the GOP stands versus where where um, the Democratic Party stands. It, it there are lots of reports coming out now that that the GOP and Caitlin made made this point earlier in the call that the notion of the base play that. That now we're 42 days, you know, that, that Republicans are now, the persuasion game is over. We're now, from their perspective, this is just about turnout. We are, we, they're, they're honing their message, they're closing weak strategy and message around what's going to rally the base, repealing the Affordable Care Act, limiting Medicare and Medicaid. Um, that that's immigration. in immigration. Those are those are the big issues. Um, you know, you guys, everybody's you know out there talking to talking to members, talking to operatives, talking to to campaigns. I mean, what do you what do you sense, Mark, at, at this point that that the Republicans can do to to mitigate potential losses in the midterms? Every Democrat I talk to wants the election held yesterday because the intensity, as we were saying before, the intensity of turnout on the Democratic side today is, is unprecedented and is palpably, viscerally, it just feels greater than the intensity on the Republican side. Everybody on the Democratic side wants to know the answer to your question like what right. what can they do in the next 42 days to change that i i don't know but i i think it's so candidate dependent i mean look obviously the animus toward trump is going to pull a lot of people on both sides frankly out to the polls but um, a note in politico over the weekend caught caught my eye and it, it said Democrats talking about the 27th district in Florida. Yeah. Um, uh, currently held by a Republican. And it said Democrats worry that Democrat Donna Shalala's campaign, former Donna Shalala, former health and president Secretary. of the University of Miami, health and human services secretary, senior Clinton administration official, 
They worry that her campaign is in, quote, sleep mode, while her challenger, Maria Elvira Salazar, has been surging. I mean, it's so candidate dependent. There's no reason why that should be the case, yet it is, because the individuals that are running for office actually matter. We say that every week, couldn't agree more, but many of these races are going to be close. And in the close race, that intensity yeah. is going to tip it. Yeah. And, and, <clears throat> and right now, that intensity is going to tip the close races blue. But yeah, there are races I'll, I'll, that shouldn't be close. Sorry, Blake. Like, yeah, yeah. Look, take Tennessee, for example. Trump won by 30-some-odd points, I believe. Um and Marsha Blackburn is trailing Phil Bredesen in the polls. Uh, yeah. Why? I mean, because he's a better candidate. Yeah. 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 Kaylin, what? I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I mean, the, granted, we we do still have forty two days, but uh, how do you sense the that Republicans are sort of are sort of looking at, at at how to both hone and close? you know, these races, how in the in these races that are within the margin of error, and again, there going to be lots of close races, House and Senate, we know, we'll talk about some specifics in a minute, but but there are some macro issues, I mean, some some themes and some stuff that does rally that base. What do you, what do you make of where kind of Republican messaging is? Do you think they're, you know, they're, they're honing in on the right stuff? What, what do you sense is sort of the, the pulse of of the Republican base as they look towards Election Day? Well, I know that if you look at the National Republican Congressional Committee, for example, when you were getting into how they're they're looking at the next 40 days, they're cutting off candidates that aren't running good races, that aren't fundraising, that aren't out there, and they're saying, you know, we're not, we're, we're going to use our money wisely and, and recalibrate where they get involved in some of these races. Um, but from a messaging standpoint, I think, look, I think that depending on what happens over the next three, four days, I really do believe that the Kavanaugh, this whole situation play, plays into the fact that here we are, we're taking a, you know, a judge with a stellar record and the media is having a field day with allegations. And I, I think that that could help drive Republican intensity in a lot of these races. Well, we, I mean, we've seen that, that, that Mitch McConnell and, and Republicans nationally are, are quite good at using the Supreme Court vacancy yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to rally to rally their voters. Mark, I think Trump voter folks who voted for Trump who said, I don't really like Trump, but the reason that I voted for him, the Supreme Court. Yeah. And Mark, you and I sort of talked about this offline. I mean, if, if, if Kavanaugh if the nomination doesn't get to the finish, they're they're not going to get someone through before the midterms. So, what does that do to the overall Senate dynamic? Well, if he doesn't get through soon, right, and Trump nominates another conservative justice, maybe a woman, maybe Judge uh, Bryant. Well, that would be nice. That I think that we wouldn't have these issues. That would be nice, and that would the pendulum would swing back in the other direction. And and we were talking about this last week. I asked a couple of people who I think know, they think they know. I think Republicans, I think Mitch McConnell thinks that if he can get this over with one way or another soon, 
and if it doesn't go well, we can get another nominee up immediately, that he can jam it through in the lame duck, yeah. no matter what happens in the midterm. I still, unfortunately, do not believe that he's going to have to. I do not believe the Democrats are going to take the Senate. But, <clears throat> but if, if that were to happen, uh, that, that would swing the pendulum back the other way towards Republicans and the importance of the seat. And, and a nominee about whom you, at least as Caitlin says, would not have these issues. Let's, let's God talk. knows what what else is out there. Um, I want, I want to talk a little bit about the the intensity and, and just looking at this from from kind of present day and then, and then I'm just going to compare it historically. You guys y'all can tell me what you think. So the Democratic House primaries this year produced 89 percent more votes than in 2014. GOP produced only 24 percent more votes. So that's in 2018. 4.3 million more Democrats voted this year in House primaries. So rewind the clock. In 2010, 4.8 million more Republicans mm -hmm. voted. The Republicans won 63 House seats and six Senate seats. In 20, 2006, Democrats saw 3 million more votes. They picked up 30 House seats and six Senate seats. So the intensity is real, and it has historically significant uh, uh, and historically significant relationship for both parties in that turnout. Howard, um, what do you what do you sense in terms of in terms of sort of where things sit? Five thirty eight gives gives um, the Democrats a four and five chance of taking the Senate. They're still taking the House. Four. Taking the House. Oh, sorry, excuse house? me. Taking What's the House. One? Still a three and ten chance of taking the Senate. What right. do you kind of make of, of those metrics? I mean, they're, they're metrics, they're polls, they're prognostication. I think you have to look race by race. There are essentially, Mark will disagree with me on the number, but I think if you, if you, add, if you add New Jersey, which I am, to the mix of contested races, there are essentially 11 key races in the Senate. I agree and, with the number. I just disagree with the state. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and Republicans currently have four of those seats, and Democrats have seven. So Republicans need to keep at least um, they need to keep at least three seats in order to maintain their their majority. Um, you got to look race by race, and yeah. see who you think is going to come out on top. Like in Florida, Bill Nelson against Rick Scott. Yeah. High race, according to the polls. Yeah, yeah. It, it shouldn't on the on the basis of um, how important health care is, how motivated the Democratic electorate is. Bill Nelson should be where Bob Casey is, Mark, in Pennsylvania, running away with it. I mean, Trump won sent by a similar margin, and it it's Narrowly, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. yeah, he should be, but he's not because he's not a good candidate. And, and Rick Scott is a good candidate. And a popular governor. Yeah, a, People, right. you know. You know, well, and Nelson's running behind Gillum. Which yeah, is Gillum, new poll out over the weekend surprising. has Gillum plus four. Yeah. And yeah. Nel, same poll had Nelson and, and Scott tied. So Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota won her last race by 0.9% of the vote. And the electorate's only gotten more conservative in North right. Dakota. 
you know, she's very vulnerable. Um, Indiana, <laughs> Trump won, you know, crushed Clinton in Indiana, but there are a lot of Republicans in Indiana. I saw I saw a note that the that the business community, the Chamber of Commerce, is sitting on the sidelines in that race mm-hmm. yeah. because they like what Donnelly has done. They're not super excited about Braun on the other side. I think, yes, the voter intensity is there for the Democrats, but I think you've got to go literally race by race and think about all the local environmental factors that are in play and count votes. And if the Republicans end up with three, they keep the majority. And if they don't, they don't. And they probably will. And similarly, if you go through 435 House races, it's hard to see today, today, it's hard to see the Democrats not picking up 24 or more. Right. So you're looking today in a race-by-race-by-race analysis at a Democratic House and, and a Republican Senate, I think. I think it is more likely, I don't think it's likely, I think it's easier for the Senate to change than for that House result to change. But, but we don't know what the next 42 yeah, days are going to bring. The, by far, the best thing for Democrats is if you look at um, polling data, I discovered this cool Google yes. Trends thing over yeah. the weekend that I sent <laughs> yeah, to you so guys. Yeah. Um, healthcare is just blowing every other issue away in yeah. terms of the things that people are out there thinking about in the context of the midterms. That is not good for Republicans. No. And all the no. Democratic attack ads on Republicans are focused on pre-existing conditions. Because Donald Trump accomplished something that Barack Obama could not. Donald Trump made the Affordable Care Act popular. Well, I don't even think it's Donald Trump. I think it's... I, I don't agree with that. I think you give people a benefit, whether they were for it or against yeah, it, they now expect it. it. Right. I don't think that's Donald Trump. I think that is just the laws of nature well he motivated the you're right he, he motivated, motivated the repeal and replace yeah. decision although so, which I, one could argue that's congress more than it is donald trump well mcconnell except the guys in congress always tell the new president don't do that first which is what obama was I, told he overruled it. it's what trump was told he overruled it yeah. Maybe the next time the wheel turns. I don't think and Trump actually listens to Mitch McConnell. That's the point. <laughs> that, well, we agree. Go, yeah, that's the point. Course, going, going back to that's the, the point. Yeah, he. Yeah. Who knows? Caitlin, I want to throw a couple of numbers, another numbers at you as we talk about sort of the, the landscape. So CBS over the weekend holds the what they think are the sixty one most competitive house races, mm-hmm. and overall Dems came out plus four. Mm-hmm. So not a huge advantage there. I mean, not not that number, not that big number. Um, NBC News, Wall Street Journal poll over the weekend, Dems generic ballot lead is plus 12. 12. Yeah. And the Fox News... That's huge. Fox News poll has Dems plus seven. So plus 12 number is is enormous. Seven... Yeah. Yeah. Probably somewhere uh, in between yeah, the two. Somewhere yeah, somewhere in between. What do you just kind of... what do you, May I just well, add for Caitlin one others? Yes, thank you, Caitlin, from the, for from the, <laughs> No, no, I don't, I'm not answering. I want to put one more statistic to hear Caitlin's thoughts on The NBC poll also had men 
plus three for a Republican Congress. Women plus twenty-five. Wow. Plus twenty-five. That for should a, have been the headline for Not a divided. Plus Twelve. Yeah. 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 And what do, you, what do you make? Of, what do you make of all that? I mean, we've said it on these calls very many times that it's going to come down to some of these suburban women who are going to decide a lot of these races, and and they are angry about President Trump and some of his decisions and his rhetoric and I do think that they're going to be the driving force in this election um, I certainly think that the intensity with with suburban women is incredibly high again it depends district by district I think Florida is a unique state a unique race I think that Senator Nelson Rick Scott race is going to be pretty close and, 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 and I think it really close. depends I mean, if you're a suburban yeah. woman in Pennsylvania you probably have a, a much different take than maybe a suburban woman woman in Florida. Well, here's the thing. This is wild, Mark. You mentioned earlier you were you were, you were with Senator Casey this morning. Tom Wolf is plus nineteen. Bob Casey's plus eighteen. It's crazy. In Pennsylvania. I mean, and, and I that's just that's a big number. It's a very big. That's a very big now number. Again. Now again, I recognize that their opponents are not exactly <laughs> distinguishing themselves. Yeah. Um, but at the same time. We're not Neither is going to win by that number. Right. But those are just huge. Those numbers. are huge margins. 42 days out. Some of it has to do with their opponents because yeah. candidates matter. Right. Some of it has to do with the the intensity, and a lot of it has to do with women. Yeah. And on the on the, the women point, I know that the Dems have been shifting a lot of their messaging. Yes, they're focusing on health care. Um, Second Amendment gun gun control issues are also becoming. Mm -hmm. That's helpful with the Dem for these Democratic candidates. Yeah. That's helpful with the the suburban women voter block. Those are issues that yeah. are kind of. I mean, you're, and you're seeing groups, races. Moms Demand Action, and yep. other mm -hmm. other groups that are that are really, you know, making themselves known yes. this this cycle. They are, but it's not really registering as uh, you know a top five issue for the electorate overall which i think is yeah. interesting you've got gun, second amendment is a gun yeah, control yeah. gun control yeah. i think yeah. you've like, clearly you've got a bunch of interest groups seizing seizing the moment um but it's not motivating people at least in, in the polling to date yeah well no, I, but it's part of what peels suburban women away from the republican party it, it isn't ranked with health care or even uh Immigration, but I think immigration is a motivator for the other side. Both sides. Both sides, Both but sides. but much more. I believe it's it. Well, much more safety, than health <laughs> Right. Sure. I think yeah. it's a much more of a positive yeah. political factor for the Republicans than it is for the Democrats. You know, just a uh, footnote on something Caitlin said a minute ago. I was told over the weekend. You may know whether this is true, Caitlin. That the um, Republican Congressional Committee pulled out of the Connor Lamb. Yes, yeah, uh, that. That, that was an example where they yeah. said, "You're not raising money. You're not, I mean, we have to allocate our resources to some of these other races." Yeah. And they're taking yeah. a tough look at that. Yeah, at that. yeah to, to stick with so our that's one. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's one. <laughs> right. That's right. Twenty-three right. more. So to stick with with our breaking news on Rosenstein um, headline: CNN Trump to meet with Rosenstein Thursday. So Thursday's gonna be a oh, Thursday's just gonna be day. a wild day. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's the it's the hearing and in that meeting. So nothing seems to be happening today beyond Rosenstein's meeting with with 
Kelly, but I think it'll only take about another hour before the details of that kind meeting leak. Kind of so feels, we'll see what happens. Blake, it kind yeah. of feels like an episode of The Apprentice, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's really something. Stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, and but unlike The Apprentice, Trump doesn't hasn't who has Trump fired yet? He's sent people to fire people. He's right. fired, I guess, Rex in a tweet. But he, Mark, it's same. That's the same difference. That's no, but I'm saying yeah, but he's he, needing. He's going to fire him to his face. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, that's, I didn't uh, realize they were doing that to you. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think right. Rosenstein's odds went up now that he's meeting. Now with he's Trump. meeting with Trump. Yeah. Well, well, we'll, a good we'll certainly, um, you know, we'll certainly see. I, uh, I, you know, as as the world turns. I mean, of of course, there's there's just so much that. That has happened in the span of time since we were together last. We'll be we'll be together again soon, Mark and Howard. I want to thank you guys as always. That's um, been great, Caitlin. Thank you for joining us today. I'm thank you. thrilled to come thank come you. hang out with us anytime as 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 we talk through um, the next 42 days, which, as I said on our on our last call, seems like an eternity to me. But you know, hopefully, hopefully not. Um, and I certainly want to thank. Everybody for for listening, comments, questions, criticisms of the moderator are always welcome. Political analysis at cozen.com. Um, and and Caitlin, our next call is next Wednesday, October third. So uh, like we're doing these weekly now through the election. Um, that we have to do them weekly because the news continues to change hourly. That's exactly right. So um, guys, thanks thanks everybody for listening, and, and we'll talk thanks, to you Mike. next week. Ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask any please disconnect your lines.